So many a story can be told on the 2022 version of New Mexico State and Liberty. And about three months ago, and they are up if you want to keep receipts like Coach Prime does, Fastlane, Ed Lane, where you listen to podcasts, we had former Liberty Flames reporter Damian Sortolette of, at the time, newsadvance.com. He's now covering Virginia Tech for Roanoke.com. And you know, we had him on, and we certainly discussed a lot of the Hugh Freeze era, including the unceremonious end to that particular era. And the most intriguing part of that is if you just think back to the entire time at Liberty, again, I think it's more pluses than minuses, but the New Mexico State game last year was, I've never seen anything like it. I don't think I'll ever see anything like it again, but the fact that they found out Liberty's football players did on the bus ride over to the game that uh, it looked like Lane Kiffin wasn't going to take the Auburn job. Hugh Freeze had emerged as a front runner, and then apparently they confronted him in the uh, uh, locker room before the game and from the stadium, it was right after the Virginia Tech game to the team itself. I mean, it was as flat of an atmosphere as you could possibly find. Uh, I just, again, nothing like it. We could go on for a long time about just how weird that experience was, but to get some perspective on that and certainly to maybe take a trip down memory lane about that because New Mexico State happens to be the opponent that Liberty will be playing this coming weekend. We go down memory lane here in the fast lane to start off our chat with John Manson from aseaofred.com. John, before looking forward and kind of looking back to the start of the Jamie Chowell era last week, um, New Mexico State last year at Liberty University coming into Williams Stadium, could you ever remember an atmosphere? Have you ever seen anything like what we saw last year where a 24-point underdog emerged with a 35-point victory in a game that, you know, I told people in the offseason that are pro-handicappers, I just throw the whole thing out because it was such an abnormal set of circumstances. Ed, thanks as always for having me on. And, and yeah, that was that was an insane game. It's not something anybody would have uh, predicted or scripted. And, and uh, you know, yeah, I mean, I kind of agree with you, especially as you look ahead to – the Saturday's matchup this year, uh, I think you kind of have to throw last year's uh, game out the window. I mean, there were so many extracurricular uh, things that were involved going into that game that uh, I don't think it had much bearing, uh, certainly doesn't have much bearing on, on this year's game. But, uh, yeah, it was certainly a unique setting. I, I mean, I was over there uh, prior to the game uh, back in November, that, you know, the regular season finale there for the Flames, who are already bowl eligible, you know, still an independent, nothing to really play for necessarily other than just additional wins. They were coming off of, uh, I think, two straight losses at that point in time after getting to 8-1 and and beating uh, Arkansas and, and were ranked in the top 20 then and had lost to, to UConn and Virginia Tech and were closing up the regular season there with New Mexico State. And, you know, it was a New Mexico State team under first-year head coach Jerry Kill that was, you know, fighting to hopefully get a get an opportunity to, to make it to a bowl game for first time in, in several decades. And, and uh, you know, they were able to, to get the win. So they had a lot to play for. Liberty didn't have much to play for. Then you throw in the extra wrinkle with the, the news of uh, – uh, you know, Hugh Freeze uh, getting linked with Auburn and, and uh, the team confronting him. You know, based on what we've heard is they heard, uh, the team heard uh, or saw the report from Pete Thamel, who was the first to break that that story, uh, on their bus ride over from the hotel to the locker room to the stadium. And uh, then in the locker room pregame, the, the players uh, approached him and, and asked him about it, as you alluded to. And, and uh, he was, you know, 
honest and forthright and told him, you know, he hadn't been offered a job, hadn't accepted a job, but they were talking and uh, he was, you know, disappointed that they had found out this way. So uh, obviously the team goes out there, New Mexico State jumps up in front and everything kind of spiraled from there. And and uh, there's just no juice on the sidelines, obviously no juice in the stands. Uh, this is a rather uh, unique uh, situation and unique setting. And, and, and you're right, I don't know if we'll ever see something like that probably uh, you know, maybe somewhere in college football at some point in time, the way these coaches changes uh, happen in November before the regular season's over. But uh, to, to see it play out right in front of our own eyes, that's probably very unlikely. Yeah, I mean, you brought up that point. We're chatting with John Manson, a CofRed.com founder in the fast lane. And, I mean, there are so many things you could bring up from that New Mexico State game, just how fascinating it was. And, again, I don't think it overshadows a, a great run under Hugh Freeze or the fact that there's uh, a reason for optimism with Jamie Chabell going forward. It's just that was – I mean, it was – you don't think about those things very often, and you're like, oh my gosh, this is really happening. But you mentioned in the transfer portal era, um, just the reality of it. Would the shock of that moment even be something that happens now? Or, I mean, heck, Liberty's roster's got a 50% turnover from last year. The transfer portal is more prevalent than ever. Coaches jump ship, and maybe ironically, Coastal Carolina kind of floundered at the end of last year when Jamie Chadwell was being linked to Liberty University that players, you would think, are more aware of this now than ever before, and now it's more about everybody just making business decisions so the emotion of that type of moment would be hard to replicate oh yeah you're exactly right and and uh you know a lot of players i mean coach freeze had had you know kind of had that locker room right he had them and they were playing hard for him and and uh, had for you know what for for four years and uh then to have that you know rug pulled out from underneath of them some of those guys who looked up to him as a as a father figure and and uh kind of had that ripped away and uh, you know, felt betrayed, and, 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 you know, you can't, you know, argue with someone's feelings. I mean, that, that's what they felt in that moment. Probably didn't feel like even suiting up and going out onto the field to play, and, and yet they were, they were faced with that uh, predicament, with that situation. And, and uh, you know, obviously, like, like I was saying, New Mexico State had a lot to play for. Diego Pavia obviously had a really good game, six touchdowns he accounted for. And when they kind of got the lead and, and Liberty was floundering, I mean, it was one of those things, you know, I'm sure Freeze was, was nothing he could do to, to try to reel him back in. It was pretty much a loss. He had lost the locker room. You hear people use that phrase a lot. And that, you know, couldn't be more evident in, in, in a game like that uh, anywhere else. But uh, de- definitely an interesting story. And it's one of those maybe uh, – an ESPN or somebody will pick up and do a 30 for 30 documentary on it someday. We might have to do a special podcast on that where we could have you on and Dame has already come on and just reminisce about that. And again, this is not an indictment of Liberty University Athletics or even the football program because by and large, things were good before that moment and they appear to be going in the right direction with Jamie Chabwell arriving and bringing a 1-0 and record to start his tenure at Liberty University. Um, but there are interesting parts to the start of the Jamie Chabwell era and he mentioned attendance and we did an insane radiodeals.com fast take on that a couple of days ago. Uh, you know, New Mexico State was an interesting spot. You know, Virginia Tech was the game before. Uh, then everything around New Mexico State, it's understandable between that and it being Thanksgiving weekend and students off campus that attendance would be down. It was not spectacular for the Open against Bowling Green, but am I reasonable to say that there's still a lot of reason for optimism going forward because that was a noon kickoff. This is expected to be a night kickoff where temperatures are not going to be as hot as they were this past Saturday. And, oh, by the way, fans that may have had reservations about what the Jamie Chabell era would look like now at least have a reason to say, okay, those concerns have been answered because 
the team won, they looked dominant at times, and they showed resiliency when they were challenged by Bowling Green. Yeah, I think you had a lot of things working against you there from an attendance standpoint in the opener. Uh, a noon game, you know, I think probably across college football, you probably see attendance dip a little bit there. Uh, although it wasn't from the Liberty students, uh, if I'm correct, I think their uh, Liberty student body set a set a record for the, the highest single game attendance from the students. So uh, that didn't affect them as far as the, the noon kickoff, but maybe some, some folks from out of town that, that had a little bit further of a drive decided not to make it. Uh, then and, and like you mentioned, the, the hot weather. I mean, it was you know mid 90s and very sunny and bright and hot uh, out there. And, and that's you know it, when if you have the option to sit on uh, your couch in the AC to watch the game on CBS Sports Network, I'm sure that's uh, something you might would prefer to do rather than sit out in the sun and get get sunburned or, or anything like that. And and uh, also Labor Day weekend, I think that was something too. But yeah, I think I think there's a lot of momentum building within the program within. Uh, the locker room even. I mean, you talked about 50% roster turnover, and uh, that's certainly something that, that, you know, like I've said many times on, on the show with you before, Ed, is uh, give this team some, some, some grace, some wiggle room early in the year. Let them, uh, you know, figure out where all the pieces fit and, and uh, what their roles are and, and how they fit together and, and kind of grow together through uh, the first month or so of the season. And, and we saw some of that on the field uh, on Saturday, and I think getting that win under their belt and hopefully the fans that came out enjoy themselves and, you know, a lot of new students, new fans, um, and, and can continue to build this and, and see those crowds grow. From what I've heard, there's a greater number of tickets have been sold pregame uh, leading into game day on Saturday tomorrow. And, um, than last week so i would expect to see provided the weather holds out i would expect to see an uptick in uh in attendance this coming week the weather the ultimate wild card and uh you know there's nothing you can do about it but uh there are a number of things as well looking to that matchup against new mexico state with john manson from a sea of red.com one is the idea of revenge fans may feel like they wanted but the truth is as we mentioned with 50 percent roster turnover plus a new coaching staff in place I was not surprised when Jamie Chadwell downplayed that idea earlier this week. Is that just the reality, that the idea of a revenge spot under these circumstances is much less prevalent, even if New Mexico State, in fact, becomes a rival of Liberties in Conference USA? Yeah, coming into this week, I kind of thought that was going to be the biggest storyline, is Liberty seeking revenge against New Mexico State for what happened last year. And then, you know, as I got into it and began to unpack that a little bit and talk to you know, Coach Chadwell and a couple of the players and, and things like that, I, I realize that that's really not a motivating factor for them, uh, at least not this week. I mean, yes, you know, we talked to Kobe Singleton on Tuesday, and, and he was there last week and mentioned that, uh, you know, the way that went down last year, you know, left a sour taste in his mouth. And, and yeah, he wants to, to get a little bit of payback. But, uh, you know, it's it's really not a, a huge story, not on the front of their mind. I mean, the team is, is more focused on, you know, first of all, you got – uh, a new coaching staff and building their identity and and uh, instilling that into this team and, and them getting built up and, and improving as the season goes on, as we talked about, you know, getting better each and every week and then uh, competing for a conference championship, which, you know, this is the first ever Conference USA game. So that's really the bigger story as far as what they, they've told us, that the players and the coaching staff is, is they're more focused on this is the first Conference USA game. We need to Get, you get, got to get to one and zero before you can get to, to two and zero or to compete for that conference championship, and uh, that's something they obviously want to do is on front of the, the front of their mind. Something they've talked about 
all off season and, and going into training camp. And uh, so that, that's really more important to him than it, than the uh, revenge factor is. And, but, you know, like we've already talked about, it's a new coaching staff. 50% of the roster has turned over. So the large majority of these guys that, that are on the team and, and will be playing meaning, meaningful uh, snaps on Saturday uh, weren't even part of that locker room last year. They don't know what happened. And, and a lot of those key contributors have moved on, whether to the NFL or, or their eligibility has been exhausted or they've transferred. And, uh, you know, so a lot of the guys that, that have returned weren't playing significant roles in that game last year. So they probably think, oh, that, I had nothing to do with that. I was on the sideline anyways. So uh, I, I thought the revenge factor would be a, a bigger story going into this game. But as the weeks kind of wore on, I, I realized that it's not really a factor uh, for this Liberty football team. Uh, against New Mexico State, it's more about uh, making a strong impression in a Conference USA opener. John, New Mexico State does have a good quarterback in Diego Pavia, and I know it may be hard for Liberty fans who saw the 49-14 to game last year to, to, rem- to remove this from their memory, but taking that out of the equation, because we've mentioned already how abnormal that circumstance was, this guy's still a pretty good quarterback. How do you overall... And how, more importantly, are the Liberty Flames overall preparing to try to slow him down with a defense that, at least to my eyes, given all the departures, looked pleasantly athletic and large compared to what it could have looked at, which is a good thing for Liberty. Yeah, especially that first half in the opener against Bowling Green last week. I thought the defense looked really good. They played really good and, uh, you know, gave up 24 points at the end of the day, but seven of those points were from the special teams. So, so really 17 points is what the defense actually gave up. And uh, I was pleasantly surprised by them, you know, really only have two returning starters. One of those, Kendy Charles, uh, didn't play. He's probably not going to play. Uh, this week either so you're really down to just one returning starter uh, and that's Kobe Singleton who had a had a pick six in the game last week but yeah I mean Diego Pavi is obviously something that uh, Liberty has to account for I mean he came in here and, and pretty much embarrassed the, the Liberty Flames uh, and, and their defense last year six total touchdowns and was able to run all over the field uh, also pass all over the field and, and find receivers downfield so um, you know, that's something that Liberty is going to have to be prepared for is that dual threat ability that he has. And, and it's, it's interesting. I'll, I'll be interested to see how uh, Coach Jerry Kill and the New Mexico State offense uh, and coaching staff uh, utilizes him this week. I mean, if you look at the stats from their first two games, and I've been able to watch a good amount of them, uh, Pavia has not been much of a factor in the run game. Uh, he's only got 12 rushing yards so far through two games. And uh, I'm not sure if that's been by design to kind of keep him healthy. It's a long season. You want want him there in the stretch run. Or, you know, maybe for the fact that the first two games were non-conference games, they'd rather have him, uh, you know, have the full package of the offense at his disposal uh, for a conference game, which this is, you know, like I mentioned, their, their conference opener. So it'll be interesting to see how much he is uh, asked to, uh, to use his legs and, and to get out and to uh, affect the game that way. But, Regardless of how much he runs, he, he's also able to uh, to make some plays in the passing game as well. And it's something it'll be a big step up in, in competition uh, in a challenge for this Liberty defense compared to what they saw last last week against Bowling Green, where they ended up with uh, five uh, interceptions. A sea of red dot com founder and reporter, he'll be on site for New Mexico State at Liberty, a six p.m. kickoff this Saturday at Williams Stadium. John Manson with us here in the fast lane at a sea of red on Twitter or at JC Manson to connect with John on that social media platform, flipping to the other quarterback battle, which was in the preseason, but has obviously been resolved. 
Caden Salter, the quarterback for Liberty, looked impressive in week one. I thought, you know, the short to intermediate passing game could use some cleaning up. That's the hardest part, though, because of the space confinements and the timing and everything that goes into it. But overall, I I thought he showed why he's the guy that this staff believes they can win a championship with, which is something they mentioned as being a deciding factor of going with Caden Salter, going with the upside and believing he can grow in that role. What were your impressions of Salter's week one performance and the lead up to that after he was named starter? Yeah, I think we saw a lot of growth in his game from what we saw last season. Last year, especially early in the year before he got that uh, growing injury and and was sidelined for for the bulk of the, the middle part of the year, uh, you know, we saw a lot a lot of growth from him. He was more composed, uh, more poised, uh, seemed to be more taking more of a leadership role on the field, uh, on on uh, the sidelines in the huddle. Um, you know, seem, seem much more comfortable. Uh, he even said after the game that, you know, he's getting back to his, his uh, high school days where he was a, uh, you know, four or even five-star recruit, a top 15 uh, quarterback in the class of 2020 uh, in Cedar Hill, uh, Texas, and, and recruited by pretty much everybody in the country, ended up signing with Tennessee before transferring to Liberty. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it was, it was a good step of growth, and it's something that he's going to have to continue to do is to make more growth. Uh, as we go forward, obviously Liberty and, and Coach Chadwell mentioned this after the games. He doesn't want to see him running it 19 times a game. That's that's not something that's going to uh, be able to withstand an entire 12 game season. Uh, just him taking that many hits. Um, you know, I, I do think he needs to be able to show uh, growth in far, in terms of uh, being able to stand in the pocket, make plays downfield. Read, uh, make his reads to a second and third uh, read in, in a play and see a play uh, develop and progress. Uh, you know, I don't think we saw a lot of that in week one. Part of that was due to the game plan, also due to what the Bowling Green defense was allowing him. But I'm sure, you know, now that, you know, teams have, uh, you know, Salter on film in this uh, Jamie Chadwell spread option offense, that they'll try to take that away from him a lot more. They don't want him to be able to run for close to 100 yards. Uh, so I think they'll be forcing him to pass, stacking the box, and making him make plays with his arms. And that's something he has to take that next step into uh, being able to do. And we've seen him be able to do that uh, last year. And uh, just a matter of him being able to do it this year and being able to read and recognize coverages and blitzes and uh, you know continue to grow into being that leader. And I think, I mean, he's got the potential. just a matter of him being able to put it all together. And, and I think the biggest thing is, is his confidence. That's something that – I think he lacked a lot last year, but he's getting a little bit of that confidence, a little bit of that swagger back uh, this season. And as the team continues to uh, play well and and win games, obviously that'll uh, continue to help him moving forward. John Manson, a seaofred.com founder and contributor, stepping into the fast lane, looking ahead with us to New Mexico State at Liberty. Game two this coming Saturday evening. John, a pleasure to have you in the fast lane. Hopefully this game will be more interesting in a good way for Liberty fans as opposed to last year's version. I don't think that's a high bar to clear, though. But in the meantime, it should be a fun one out there, and uh, we appreciate your time looking at this game from a multitude of angles today. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me on it. Our pleasure. John Manson with us in the fast lane. And just a couple of points that he brought up, and we addressed this in our votes of confidence a little bit earlier. One is the idea of Caden Salter. He mentioned the confidence John Manson did. The coaching staff, and Hugh Freeze's staff also would mention this as well, is the crucial thing for a guy like Caden Salter is not letting success go to your head or change you in the wrong way, but continuing to stay devoted to the process of preparation. 
This is a good benchmark because Diego Pavia can put up points. He can create explosive plays for New Mexico State, and that challenges Liberty, and I'm sure they're not going to pitch a shutout, which means Salter's going to have to be able to answer or at least keep Liberty in a spot where his teammates can answer as well. The other part of of his commentary, John Manson's, is, I mean, yeah, obviously it goes without saying, this game is not nearly as wild as the last year's game. That's not going to ever be eclipsed, and I don't think it'll ever be met either with the emotions and the transfer portal uh, kind of changing how people view a game like this. And yes, there's the irony that Coastal Carolina kind of floundered down the stretch last year. If you look at their win-loss performance metrics during those games, uh, kind of reflected a coach that may have been doing the Hugh Freeze only heading to Liberty as he ultimately did. But all in all, they look like they are a team that should have answered a lot of questions for fans in the first game of the Jamie Chadwell era. Hopefully we answer your questions. If we miss them, you can always just drop them to us. Trey VT, Twitter and Instagram, Fast Lane Edling. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram will have coverage live at JMU UVA and New Mexico State Liberty over the weekend and plenty more coming back with you Monday 5 to 6 on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app.